Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, TNT analyst Kevin McHale. I tell you what, for Vikings fans... Green Bay playing the Bears is like, do you want to get hung or do you want to get shot? With your host, Galliot Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Seku Smith and Lang Whitaker. The NBA's Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of The Nation. Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip off. Uh, back again, back again. Seku Smith from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com. Lang Whitaker, my cohort in crime. Uh, Lang, how are you? I'm What's good. Up, sir? I'm good. Don't cough. Yeah, don't don't cough and uh, you know don't mention the name Hawks or Grizzlies around either one of us right now. <laughs> <laughs> Both of our uh, pet teams, obviously, uh, the teams we have been championing for a while, uh, bit the dust in the conference semifinals. My Grizzlies go down in seven games to uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Your Hawks get bit by the Chicago Bulls. In six games in the uh, Eastern Conference semifinals, you uh, you over it yet? I mean, have you recovered? Yeah, I think so. I, I was just thinking, do you think – are we allowed to be happy with the way our teams performed? I mean, I, I think, think – so. uh, Yeah, I think for, for the Hawks, they you know they won six – took it six games. That's probably the best playoff performance they've had in recent years. And, uh, in, your life, in your lifetime. <laughs> and the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies. I don't think anyone expected them to to get as far as they did either. No, I mean that's the best best playoff performance by my Grizzlies in the history of the Grizzlies. Nobody uh, expected it except for maybe you. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm a little disappointed. I had planned on a presidential campaign if they'd uh, <laughs> if they'd have made the Western Conference Finals. So and I was going to run for Master of the Universe if they made the NBA Finals. So you know I have to put those things on hold right now, but. No, I mean, I don't think anybody can complain about the way their team has performed to this point. Anybody still playing certainly is happy. But anybody that just finished, other than maybe the Lakers, yeah, you know, Lakers fans, anybody else that just finished should be extremely pleased well, with how, how their team performed. Ah, I mean, the Celtics were beat up. They made that trade. You know, Rondo gets hurt. You almost expect – you know, I don't. I don't know if any Celtics fan really, you know, had a realistic expectation of overcoming all that and, and beating the Heat and winning yeah. that series. You know, not with not without home court advantage. So um, I could see where they would be a little a little upset, but you know, certainly not shocked that they that they fell the way they did. Um, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals is in the book. We haven't haven't started uh, Game one of the West. That Oklahoma City and Dallas will kick it off in Dallas Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern ESPN. But game one of, of the Eastern Conference Finals in the books line, 
the Miami Heat take one square, you know, right on the kisser. Um, yeah. Bulls just beat him down. And Taj Gibson, who uh, I've been – I sent out his his two just redonkulous dunks, the one on <laughs> Dwayne Wade and then the one put back. I sent those out on Twitter last night, you know, right after – you know, I think right after the game was over. And then I uh, posted them again this morning on the Hangtime blog. I mean, you talk about – Talk about a guy who's come up in a lot of people's eyes in the last week, you know, with yeah. the performance he had against your, your Hawks and then that game one performance against the Heat. Very impressive stuff from from a guy nobody would have expected to to play this, this well this late in the season. I think the, the Bulls got a lot of those performances last night. And it's not just points. I mean, I, I thought Luol Dang played – I mean, he had 21 points, but he also defended LeBron – throughout the game and, and played, he played such tough on the ball defense, especially I saw it against the Hawks, you know, like Joe Johnson and those guys out on the perimeter, they, they really couldn't get anything going. And watching that game yesterday, the Bulls game, I, I was really impressed with the way, um, especially more in the second half, but the, the Bulls kind of dictated the tempo. And, and there was so many times you saw the heat come down and have to set up in their half court offense. And, uh, you know, they, they – I think they play better when they're more up-tempo. And I think uh had a lot to do with Chicago winning the game, their, their defense. Also, you know, people talked about the, the Heat would have to dominate in the paint. And they – Bosch had 30 points. And, and they, they – I think they won the points in the paint uh, stat. But still, uh, uh, Chicago won the game. I mean, does it, does it stun you at all that Chicago – Chicago's playing as well as they have. I know a lot of people. We watched them roll to the best record in the in the league during the regular season, but a lot of people thought that, hey, you know, it's just a product of, you know, Tip Thibodeau's approach and you know that team right. and the way they kind of attacked the season. You know, not everybody was convinced they were the kind of team that could make a run like us. I mean, I think a lot of people felt like they could have fallen somewhere along the way. Um, but I mean, the more I watch them, the more championship. Timber, I see in that Bulls crew. You know, I mean, they're just so good defensively, and then they have such good role players. Like, you know, a lot of teams are deep and have decent role player here, there, and right. a couple of guys you wouldn't want on your team. They have decent role players up and down. I mean, when when Omar Asik gets in the game, I'm looking at him and going, man, he could start for about five, five or six different, you know, quality teams that I've seen this year because of the position he plays, you know, and how active he is. I mean. I just I just feel like maybe we've shortchanged the Bulls a little bit, as ridiculous as that sounds, about a, a team that finished with the best record in the league in the regular season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think also, like, you know, I mean, you look at these guys who are sort of unheralded in the NBA, like a Keith Bogans or a Todd Gibson or Ronnie Brewer, all these guys, Asik, um, even C.J. Watson. And they're better as a sum of their parts, you know, than they are as, as these individual guys. And um, they share the ball. They move the ball. They help defensively. They do all the little things that makes them all better players as a part of a bigger unit than they are individually. And I think um, I think that kind of gets overlooked by a lot of fans because you don't really, you know, you say, oh, well, they're bringing in uh, Taj Gibson off the bench. Well, you know, so what? It's Taj Gibson. Well, <laughs> he had nine and seven last <laughs> night, and he plays good defense, and he blocks shots, and you know he fouls when he has to. And he's, he's a good player, especially in the context of that larger Bulls team. Yeah, I, I, th- I think also, um, you know, when you have the MVP, Coach of the Year, best record in the league, <laughs> yeah. you, it's, it's easy to. Well, I mean, it would be easy to be satisfied with where you know wherever you landed when you're as young as the Bulls are, 
you know, theoretically that group with the core, you know, of Rose and Noah, you know, Boozer's first shooting. I mean, it would have been very easy to be, just say, hey, you know, we made it this far. That's a good deal, you know, and, and maybe a championship's in our future. But I, I appreciate the fact that they have not wavered from, from day one from this idea that, we, you know, we can win it. Why? Yeah. What did Rose say about the MVP? Why, you know, why not me? Yeah. You know, they got a why not us attitude right now in Chicago that I think is fueling everything they're doing. And and once you turn that on, somebody's got to turn it off. I mean, you're not you're not going to stop if that's what your inner drive is. So somebody has to stop them. And if the Heat can't muster better than what we saw in Game One, you know, LeBron. What did LeBron have? Fifteen points? Under fifteen points? I mean. It, uh, I mean, st- stunning to see he and Dwayne Wade both kind of bottled yeah. up the way they were. 15 points, 5 for 15 from the field. Yeah, I mean. Uh, and Wade had an 18, but he had a minus 22 plus minus. Yeah, and he also he, he also left the the game with the the one highlight that you don't ever want to have, you know. Yeah. Kind of like the yeah. one he put on Anderson Verja a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Where you, you know, where you end up being the talk of the, talk of the day. Um just, I mean, I just think it's interesting. You know, we're down to the final four, and I, I would love to see people's brackets to see if they had Thunder Mavericks on one side and Heat Bulls on the other. I, I'll give them <laughs> half of it, but I certainly don't expect uh, a ton of people have all four teams picked correctly on their NBA brackets. Yeah, I, I bet a lot of people didn't have Heat Bulls. I mean, that one's probably more likely, but, I mean, Celtics, I think, were favored yeah, going true. in. and. Probably true. Um, maybe in Orlando too. You know, at least going into the season. So I, I don't know. I think it's a big surprise all the way around. Yeah, huge surprise. Huge surprise. Um, who thus far, Lang, would be your playoff MVP? I mean, who would? Who's the one guy to you that stood out in terms of leading this team to this point, and maybe the most valuable postseason MVP up to the conference finals? How about Derrick Rose? <laughs> that's that's easy. I was <laughs> uh, just thinking about it. I mean, uh, well, I mean, maybe Dirk too. Uh, you got to bring him in, and uh, Durant's played well. Um, I, I mean, I, I think those. And the thing with Miami is, do you give it to Wade? <laughs> I mean, LeBron or Wade? You know, they're both great players. Uh, I don't know. I think that's a good question. I, I just haven't seen Chicago last week play, and seeing Rose. Um, you know, it's not that he's necessarily better than any of these other guys, but I just think so much of what they do goes through him. He's the point guard. He has the ball in his hands all the time. And, um, you know, especially offensively, it all sort of revolves around him. And, um, I mean, and he also had the 44-point game. He had 28 last night. Uh, he's played some amazing games during the playoffs. Who would you take? It's tough. I mean, I I look at both sides and I ask myself, you know, who's the one guy – in this series that I think, you know, um, has been above and beyond, you know, consistently, right. you know, basically nonstop. And really it's hard for me to to not look at Dirk, you know, because he hadn't had, like, you know, Durant as well as he's played has had a couple of games where they were uncharacteristic of him. Um, yeah. You know, Rose had a couple of games against Indiana, against the Hawks, where he struggled with his shot. And it's had, Dirk's, been, Dirk's been a monster from start, and, you know, until now. I mean, he hasn't he had missed a beat. Not one game did you look up and go, well, you know, Dirk stunk it up. Dirk didn't really come with it. Dirk right. didn't really play a good game. He's, he's been he's been great consistently, which you know I think you know, and, and that, maybe that's a product of me. I've been watching the Mavericks from the start, you know, since they 
they took on Portland in the first round. So I don't want to. Right. I don't. I don't want to just go by that. But he he has been pretty impressive if you look at his body of work from the start of the playoffs to now. Um, an interesting an interesting debate because, like you said, with the way the Heat finished off the Celtics, I mean, you know, you look and say who had the toughest toughest road to get here. Um, and the Heat, Philly was a little bit tougher than people probably imagined the first round. And did any did anybody maybe other than the Mavericks? Or or he'd have a tougher second round opponent than the one that you know the defending conference champ, the def- defending NBA finalists um, to get past them. So I mean, both those teams, I think, you know, if they, if whoever they have that played really well in those series would have to be in that conversation. I I just think it's a. I did, I wasn't sure we would get the kind of playoffs. I was hopeful that we would. I wasn't sure we'd get a playoffs to match the regular season length in terms of yeah. quality and excitement, I think it's been even better than I imagined. I mean, it's, 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 it's topped it than, you know, probably what I thought it would be. What about the, what about the road Oklahoma City's had to, to get to where they are? I mean, they come in and they have to play the, the hottest team like the last month of the season, Denver, and then they have to play uh, the, the hottest team in the playoffs, Memphis, and that series goes seven games, you know. Um, it was yeah. a Collison, Nick Collison tweeted last night that when they started that second round, Osama bin Laden was still America's most wanted. And <laughs> it, was, it was so long ago. Like, that series took so long. And now, um, they, I mean, now they don't play again until tomorrow night. I mean, we got a couple more weeks of this ahead of us. So I think it's been great. I, it's been fun to watch. I'm looking forward to, to, these, to these two rounds and or these two series and uh, yeah. seeing how this plays out. So now, who who before we before we get any further here, who who are your you know what what are your predictions for these conference final rounds? I mean, who who do you think wins the East between Chicago and Miami? Ooh, um, you know I think Chicago has home court that goes a long way, um, and I, just watching the way they play defense, I think is it, it's, it's like it's, it's such a tough thing to crack for anybody. But even Miami last night looked. I mean, if you have a game where you can get Bosch going for thirty and nine, um, you think that's going to be a good sign. But uh, they're just so good defensively, you know. And obviously, the question with Chicago is, do they have the offense um, to to stand up? I mean, they scored a hundred points last night. The the other thing that makes me think Chicago's at least I think I, why I think they'll win is like they. They just seemed to like last night. I mean, they remind me of a college team. The way they hustle and they're all going all out all the time. And there was two or three times where they were coming out of a timeout and like Joe Kim Noah just grabbed the five guys <laughs> and pulled them into a little huddle and just gave them a little talk or whatever. And you know, they they really seemed to have that team bond and that team spirit and and that sort of that hunger to them. So um, I don't know. I think I might go with Chicago. Well, who's who would you go with? In the East, um, you know, I, I, I've looked at a lot of predictions. I see people picking the the Heat to win in six, and assuming that the Heat just, you know, they've got two superstars. The Bulls have one, so therefore, you know, they should have the edge. I always like to take the better team um, right. in these situations, and I think Chicago's a top to bottom a better team. They have been all season. You know, won the regular season matchup. I'm going with Chicago in six as opposed to Miami in six, um, and I know that kind of flies in the face of our NBA.com prediction by Sean Powell. Um, but but I, I've just got a feeling that the Bulls are a better team, and that's what's going to count, you know, um, in this postseason. Who who are you taking in the West between uh, the Thunder <laughs> and Mavericks? I don't know. I, I, I was just thinking about it. Like, I, 
you've obviously watched Dallas play a lot this postseason. I've watched Oklahoma City play a lot. Um, I don't know. I, I would think I think I'll go with Dallas just because they have the experience. Um, we got home court, and I, and the way Dirk's been playing, um, you know, I, I just don't know that uh, that Oklahoma City has like the the depth and the experience really to to beat them. That would be my guess. What what about you? I I picked the Mavs in six. Um, yeah. And usually the cop the cop out pick is to pick whoever has home court advantage in six games. But I my reasoning is I think it's going to take six games for the Mavs to shake loose of what the Thunder brings. And, and what it is is a, a matchup nightmare for both teams. You know, Oklahoma City doesn't have anybody that's going to be able to match up well with Dirk. Um, and I think obviously Dallas is going to have a similar matchup problem with, with Kevin Durant. Uh, albeit, you know, I think Tony Allen and, and the Grizzly showed you that you can still kind of get up under Durant and push him out and, and yeah. make him uncomfortable. And he can't post you know he's not he doesn't have that great post game yet to go along with everything else he does that's so fantastic and that gives you an, an advantage in terms of maybe slowing him down a little bit um but I, I think the the combination of Dirk and how well Dallas's supporting cast is playing is, is a little too much for the Thunder and, I, and that's why I'm saying Mavericks and six okay I uh, you know, yeah I, I we'll can see, see that yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, the the beautiful thing is I told somebody this on Twitter last night when they asked me for predictions. It could go either you could, like you could flip flop your reasoning and go with the other team like in every instance. So you could see either one of these, any of the four teams winning these series in you know in six or six games. So I mean, I'll be surprised if we get a seven game series out of either one of them, only because I think that inevitability, kind of like what we saw in the conference semifinals, when it, when a team knows that they're basically fending off the inevitable, you know, like, okay, we win game six, then we got to go back to your place. You know, do we really want to go through this? The Grizzlies, God bless them, you know, um, refused to, to to succumb to that. But I thought I saw some of that in, in some of these other series. Like, I definitely saw some of that in the Lakers. Right. And I'm not going to call it give up, but I'm going to call it surrender, as Eric Spolstra uh, threw that word out there after that game one loss to the uh, Bulls last night. I saw some surrender in the Lakers, and I saw some frustration and so did J. J. Barea, uh, you know, from Andrew Bynum. So did Dirk yeah. from Lamar Odom. There was some serious surrender going on by the Los Angeles Lakers, man. And, and, you know, it's weird. We haven't had a chance to really talk about that. Um, what, what, what are your impressions of what <laughs> happened to the Lakers now and where they go from here? I, I mean, I don't know, you know, if they – well, obviously with Phil Jackson leaving, you bring in a new coach and – I mean, I don't – those players they have on that team, I mean, I think if you can add somebody, a point guard, to give them a little more quickness, um, which is, you know, something they've needed for like three years now, or people have said they've needed that, and they've done five, won two titles without it, so maybe they don't need it. <laughs> but um, I think if they, they can get somebody – <laughs> well, if they can get somebody with a little more quickness, um, you know, maybe they'd go the way of the Hawks in a way, and they bring in a new coach and a new system – and you know, use those same players, but uh, can find improvement basically from within, just by using a, a different system and a different way of utilizing what they have. Because the guys they have, I mean, who doesn't want those guys on their team? You know, <laughs> I mean, between Bynum, Artes, Gasol, Kobe, um, 
Odom. I mean, there's all these guys that I, pretty much any team would take, I would think. Um, I just think they could probably stand to get a little bit quicker. And, and um, to me, they just seem stagnant sometimes um, in that series. Yeah. I, and I also think that we, we – and I think we touched on this before, but I think we sell Dallas short a little bit. Um, yes. because they played really, really well, you know, I mean, that, yes. that game four, when they were, when JT and Pager were 15 for 16 on threes, like, what do you do? <laughs> I mean, how do you stop that? I don't know if you can. On fire. I, you know what I tell you in this, what I told a lot of people, I talked about this with a lot of people in LA as we were all out there kind of covering the Lakers postmortem. Um, if you, if you would tell me right now that I get to have Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol, Andrew Bynum, Lamar Odom, and Ron Artest is my first five guys going into next season. I would, I'd slap you if you told me that that I, you know, that that's not a good, yeah, a championship level starting five. So this idea that they need to blow it up to me is a joke. What I what I think they need though is a breath of fresh air, and 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 sometimes as great a coach as Phil Jackson was, you know, you can have too much of a great coach. You know right. that is that is possible. Like to you spend too much time, there's too many years that go into this guy in the system. I think, you know, you get a new coach and you find a younger, more dynamic option at point guard um, and, and make Derek Fisher your, you know, your seventh man, you know, uh, the Lakers will be right back in the middle of the mix next year yeah. for a championship to me. So I, I certainly don't think you need to blow it up. What I did have a problem with, though, from a lot of the L.A., uh, chatter that was going on was this idea that the Lakers losing was all the Lakers. Like, well, you know, they just if they'd have made this shot or if they'd have done this or then it was like, man, they got they got beaten soundly. I mean, they were they were thoroughly outplayed by the Mavericks in every phase and fashion. So it's not let's not pretend that they didn't get punched punched in the face here. They they got whipped. Um, well, but it happened, well, looking you know looking at that as well, if you look at that as a as a Laker fan, you say, well, we know Dallas can beat us. I mean, then don't you feel at some point, maybe you need to make some kind of moves to, to be able to, to, to get back over Dallas. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. If you get a point guard, you know, if you, if you improve at that one spot, I think it changes the dynamic completely. And I also think you need to factor in the 76 or 78 games that the Lakers played, you know, the last four years play, you know, extra games that, the playoff games. I mean, they have played 78 extra games. That's basically another whole season crammed into that stretch. That, I think, is something that you overlook and you know, for those years while you're doing it until that team's run comes to an end. Remember the Pistons? Nobody yeah. talked about all the extra games they played until they finally stopped going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And he said, man, they have played 118 games the last six years, whatever it is. That wears a team out. This This break that they're getting, the Lakers stopping as early as they did, that's going to be more beneficial to them than they realize. You'll see, and you'll see it next fall. There's no summer, you know, action for Kobe yeah. and these guys. They're going to get a whole summer, and and who knows how long with the, you know, with what goes on after June 30th. So they're going to have a ton of time to rest and to not beat themselves up, beat their bodies up over, you know, over the off season. They come back next year fresh and ready to go again. You're talking about a Laker team that could be right there, right back in the in the thick of the pack for a championship. And that's just what I think. I mean, that's you know. I think if you make the right choice at coach, you, you're right back there. Now the chances of them, you know, botching this coaching search is very, you know, it's very real. I mean, they they got it wrong the last time Phil Jackson left, um, hiring Rudy Tomjanovich, and he didn't finish the season. And 
know, they didn't make the playoffs for like the second time, you know, since the 1976-77 season. So they, they've got to do some things. You're right. They do have to tweak some things. I don't think they need to completely overhaul the roster, but they do have to do some things right to make sure they don't lose too much momentum. Right, and I don't think it's a um, impossible task ahead of them. Like, like you said, I mean the <laughs> tweaks. You know, it's just little things here and there. Yeah. But I think uh, you know, I, I totally agree with you that if you know, if those are your top five guys, uh, I mean, I don't know what franchise wouldn't want those five guys. Lang, we talked about uh, the the Eastern Conference Finals and this this fantastic series that's brewing between the the Bulls and the Heat. And uh, who better to come on and talk to us about it? Then our main man, Casey Johnson, uh, great Bulls beat writer that everybody has probably read uh, in Chicago. Casey, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Good, man. Good. Good. Um, what, uh, what, what was the city of Chicago like this morning? I mean, and I know people are all over the Tribune uh, on a morning, you know, after a game like that. But uh, what was the city like? What was the buzz after that game one beaten that the uh, Bulls put on the Heat? Well, it was exactly that, Jake. It was, it was a buzz. I mean, you know, when you when you not only win but also dominate uh, a star-studded team like the Bulls did, uh, obviously there's probably maybe over-heightened expectations, uh, maybe unrealistic <laughs> expectations. I mean, the, the the crowd was certainly into the game last night and, you know, talk radio this morning, uh, very, very fired up. Uh, fans are, are, are excited about the potential of this team. But, you know, I think the most important thing to take from last night's game and this has been a defining characteristic of this team throughout the season, is the players were on message with, hey, it's just one game, doesn't matter, we won by 21, it's still only 1-0 in the one-loss column, and that comes from Coach Tom Thibodeau and his staff, and, and the players, to, to, to a man, you know, have embraced that all season. Casey, we were talking earlier about how the defense they play, I mean, even if – questions about their offensive side defensively they look like a team that's good enough to, to at least get to the championship or win a title um and as you said that comes from tom thibodeau is it able can you summarize <laughs> i don't know if you can what they do defensively what their defensive philosophy is that makes them so good yeah uh, yeah um well i mean i you know i can do it in a fairly simplistic fashion probably not to tom <laughs> thibodeau's exacting standards but uh you know <laughs> The, the the key point, Lang, is just it, – and it's, you're going to hear a few cliches here, but it's just five guys tied together. It's a system that's predicated on trusting your teammates, knowing your help's going to be there. They force basically everything baseline. They wall off the paint with a wall of defenders. They go over all screens. And it's just a, it's just a system built on trust. It's, you know, I was talking to Ronnie Brewer postgame last night, who I thought was phenomenal off the bench, and mm-hmm. he said, you know, all we're trying to do – to Wade and James has shown them a lot of jerseys. And if you really, I mean, if you look, if you basically take any offensive play from the Heat and, and just watch the replay, what you will see is, you know, as soon as there's any initial penetration from Wade or James, you see two or three jerseys in the picture. And that's what they do. They show they show uh, a lot of help, and they, and they try to wall off that lane. And I think if you make Miami a jump-shooting team, you have a very, very good chance for success against them. Look, Wade and James are good enough that they're going to score, and they're going to have breakout huge games at some point in this series. But if you make them a jump-shooting team, I think it increases your chances of winning. Casey, you've, you've covered the league for a long time, obviously. And Casey Johnson of Chicago Tribune is joining us right now here on the Hangtime Podcast. Um, there have been talented teams in Chicago, maybe not obviously Derrick Rose-type talent, but 
you've seen talented teams before. Is it strictly about a buy-in on the player's part to to play defense at this level and to, you know and to respond like this for, for Thibodeau that makes them a more than a playoff team and a, and a championship caliber team? I mean, is it something that simple? Just the players' belief in the system and and everybody buying in? Yes, uh, it is that simple, Seku. And I think it, it, I think what, a key point to be made here is what you have on the Bulls is you have players who are willing to be coached, and that starts with mm-hmm. the youngest MVP in NBA history, Derrick Rose. He's 22 right. years old. He enjoys being coached hard. He, he enjoys having somebody hold him accountable. He enjoys somebody challenging him to be better. And when your best player and the best player in the entire league embraces that, it obviously just infiltrates itself down to the rest of the team. Then you look at a guy like Joaquin Noah, who's the emotional leader of the team. He also enjoys hard coaching. He also enjoys somebody, you know, pushing him and drilling him to get better. And then, you know, the Bulls have done a good job. You got to give management some credit for for uh, for, for finding the, the right role players who are defensive minded um, to, to buy into the system. But I, I think it starts with Tom coming here as a first year coach, selling the system and the leaders um, embracing it and, and passing that along to the rest of the team. Casey, one guy we haven't really talked about was Luol Dang, and I thought last night he was pretty phenomenal, both both ends of the court. Um, what exactly does he bring to the team, and how does he kind of fit in between Joey Kim and Derek there? Yeah, no, that's a great point. Like I, I thought he was remarkable last night. Um, what he brings is consistency. You, you look at his minutes, he's 44 minutes, 47 seconds, right near 45 I mean, to play the level he played but when you're playing that many minutes just speaks to the, the the type of game he had. And he's been doing that all season. He's been a high-minute guy. He was during the league and average minutes played during the regular season. And he just basically, you know, is a consistent player at both ends. He, he doesn't play at a frenetic pace. He plays at a consistent, I don't want to say conservative pace, but he plays at an efficient pace. And if you, if you look again back to the highlights last night, I thought his body position on LeBron James was as good as it can be. Now, he tried to deflect credit to the team defense afterward, and certainly the team defense was strong, but his individual defense was absolutely remarkable. It was textbook. He was always in the proper position. He was between, you know, LeBron in the basket, uh, closing out on his shot, and, and, he, and he forced him outside. And uh, the fact that, you know, again, I, I'm around the senior day, so maybe I have a slight bias here, but the fact that he only got one vote, from the coaches for, for all the defensive team is mind-boggling to me because as someone who has watched him all season, he has been just lights out of that end all season, and he's got the ability to guard multiple positions. And defense, clearly the story of the game last night. The Bulls' second-half defense uh, against the Heat was just absolutely spectacular. Casey, at what point in this season did the Bulls surprise you like – you know, was there any stretch where you looked up and said, man, they, you know, the record is this or, you know, they, they've accomplished that? I mean, what, at what point did you sit back and, and look at them and go, wow, I didn't know this team was going to be like this this soon? I mean, was, have, have, did you have that moment at any point throughout this season? Um, I think it started, um, you know, on that first West Coast trip, which uh, the Bulls have two long West Coast trips. Every year, um, one to clear out the United Center for the circus and one to clear out the United Center for the uh, ice show and the one in the circus for the circus always comes in late November. And that was when um, Carlos Boozer was still sidelined with his hand injury that he suffered in training camp and Taj Gibson was starting for him. And and just the way they played on that trip and and bought in and defended and and Derek, um, you know, uh, playing at the level he was playing. I I think that started to announce that they were for real. 
the second moment I had was when Joakim Noah went down in mid-December to thumb surgery, and he missed 30 games. And tellingly, uh, Taj Gibson did not start that time. Kurt Thomas did. And the drop-off was, again, non-existent. So if you can have two major injuries and have two different people uh, step in to, to play a major starting role to, to, to endure those injuries, I think that speaks to this team's depth. Look, what we're seeing here, to me, is fairly unique. I mean, the Bulls go 10 deep in playoffs, and that does not happen a lot. And you're getting right. contributions from almost all 10 of those guys. Their depth is a major, major reason why I picked them to beat the Heat in this series because I think that they uh, have a far superior bench, and then I think their defense and rebounding is slightly better than the Heat. Um, so I, I think the fact that they endured those two injuries is when I realized how good this team was. Yeah. Casey, Casey, one last thing before we let you go. Um, look, you've watched the Bulls all season, but now watching the uh, the Heat, after the way they played last night, what do you think Miami's going to – look to improve on? What do you think the adjustments they'll make going forward in this series to have a shot at it? Yeah, Lang, I, I, here's the thing. I, I don't think they can adjust much, and that's another reason why I don't, mm. I don't think they're going to win the series. Is, and I'm not seduced by this game. I, I recognize how good this, this team still is. Look, I think this, is going to, this series is going to go seven games. I think, I think the whole team's going to win all seven games this series. Um, but they can't make many adjustments because, the, from my perspective, the entire team is built around those three guys, and everything else is just like whatever you can get from those guys. And they're they're so interchangeable to the point of almost schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Drunas Agalska started the first eight <laughs> playoff games. He's inactive last night. That, that's mind-boggling <laughs> to me. So I, I just think you need to rely on your stars playing better, and they will. I mean, James and Wade are two of the best five players in the world. And so they will play better. They're, they will win some games for the Heat. But I think the Bulls ultimately are a deeper team and, and will win the series in seven games. That sounds like, kind of like my prediction, uh, maybe a game deeper than mine, KC. But listen, the one thing I, I guarantee you is that if we're in Chicago for the NBA Finals, uh, dinner is on Lang uh, at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll involve chili dogs. <laughs> exactly. Good luck, good luck tracking me down. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, Casey, man. Thanks. And, uh, Thanks, right, guys. Enjoy the rest of that series, man. Thanks for having me on. Casey Take care. Johnson. Thank you, man. Thank you. Casey Johnson of the Chicago Tribune Lang, and uh, I'm going to hold you to that dinner you just that I just <laughs> promised him on your on your tab. So, uh, did you watch on Inside the NBA after the game last night? They did Chris Webber's new uh, Webber's World. Oh yeah, thing. Webber's it was World. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and he like broke down a pick and roll, and they kept talking about how amazing it was. And Susan ended. Barkley said, "You said you, we were going to see something amazing. I thought we were going to see Chris pick up a dinner tab." <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you what. As much as the games and and all the coverage has been on point during the playoffs, the, the inside crew, Ernie Johnson. Kitty Smith, Charles Barkley, Chris Weber, um, they have been equally uh, outstanding, man. They they have kept me in stitches post game a lot of nights uh, throughout this playoff. Was there any explanation for uh, for why Charles was wearing a tie last night? Did I miss that? No, I have no idea. Somebody blasted me on Twitter saying that the only other person, you know, in the entire uh, NBA TV Turner slash TNT family tree that would that would wear, you know, that wouldn't be caught dead in the tie had one on last night. And uh, I was as stunned as anybody to see Charles wearing one because, you know, I, I try and wear one once a week during the regular season on the jump, but that's it. Um, but, no, I, I didn't see any explanation. There was no office memo that explained why Charles was wearing a wearing a tie last night. Maybe, you know, maybe he lost a bet. I don't know. But, when the uh, pregame show started, like 10 people on Twitter all immediately said, whoa, Charles was wearing a tie. 
<laughs> it's a shame when that's the biggest news of the night. It's breaking news, yeah. Taj Gibson ducking all the way away, so. Yeah. Um, but no, interesting stuff from Casey. I'm mean, one of the all-time best, by the way, beat writers out there is Casey Johnson, the Chicago Tribune. You can catch him on Twitter at KJ KCJ Hoop, and uh, certainly on the Chicago Tribune dot com website, uh, covering the Bulls like no other. And uh, it's interesting, Lang, that he's you know he he raised a point that I think a lot of other people uh, believe to be true about the series, and that you can't really you know it's not like you say, well, we missed a bunch of shots, so we'll we'll make more shots later. When your when your team is predicated on we're gonna play defense so well that you you know that that this can't fail us on any given night because it's not about the bounce and and, and whether or not you're getting lucky or whether a call goes away or not you're just gonna lock down and play defense at the highest level possible that doesn't go away every night that's not something that is here one night and gone the next you know if that's how right. you play and if Tom Thibodeau is gonna put guys on the floor who play defense the way he wants. I mean, he's he's had his spells this year where he's benched guys for not playing mm-hmm. defense the way he wanted and hadn't been, had any shame about it, including Carlos Boozer. Um, so that tells you that Thibodeau has an idea of how to win a championship. Obviously, he did it in Boston um, with Doc Rivers and, and that group. He knows exactly how to do it. And I think it's going to be tough for the Heat. It, it really is. And, you know, not, not just thinking about that one game, but it is really going to be tough for the Heat. Switching gears back now, laying to the Western Conference Finals, um, the Dallas Mavericks have been waiting eight days, a solid week, and then some to get back on the court after sweeping the Los Angeles Lakers in the uh, Western Conference semifinals. Joining us now on the Hangtime Podcast, Tyson Chandler, center, defensive stalwart for the Mavericks. Tyson, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Yourself? Good, good. Uh, Lang Whitaker and I are here. Um, just wondering, man, what is the over-under on you and Kendrick Perkins getting tangled up about you know uh, every two or three seconds in game one of this series? <laughs> you know, I think it's going to be real clean. I don't think it's going to happen that one time. <laughs> Tyson, uh, hey, it's, it's Lang from Slam Magazine. But as Saker said, you guys have had this eight-day break. Does that work to your advantage like to finally get a little bit of rest on your body, or, or do you worry about coming out flat a little bit? Uh, I think it works to our advantage because, you know, we're a veteran team. Uh, we got some guys that needed some rest. Uh, you know, I think I think we'll be fine because, you know, we have a group that understands how to, you know, maintain and, you know, keep themselves ready. Tyson, I've been watching you guys since the start of the playoffs against, you know, in the Portland series and then sweeping the Lakers. And it was hard for me to really put my finger on one thing that, that uh, struck me as kind of the defining – element of this team, you know, you got so many players, 10 deep, you know, rotation, uh, shooters galore. Is it the defense for you, y'all, that is the, the one thread that defines this team in terms of what you can build around and, and how you guys approach every opponent? Yeah, definitely so. I think uh, one thing that you can always count on is being consistent with defense, you know. You can't count on, you know, always being hot from the perimeter and knocking down shots. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can't count on your defensive communication, you know, your rotations and what you're supposed to do out there. Well, Tyson, you've been around the league long enough now, and you've played on a lot of different teams. What is it that Dallas does that that makes it different than some of the other teams you've been on? Just the offensive scoring power, you know, and the different threats from every position. You know, we got we got guys on this team that are starters that are coming off the bench. You know, right. I think anywhere else in the league, you know, they would be starting. And you know, it's, we we come at you in ways. You know, when we're playing at our best. Uh, and, you know, when other teams go to their second unit, you know, our second unit is a starting unit. So, right. you know, it makes it difficult for teams to uh, to match up. 
Tyson, what's the confidence like of, that, of the entire group now? You know, you sweep the two-time division champs in the conference semifinals. Um, and I know and I know Rick Carlisle's talked about the fact that it's, it takes eight more wins to win a championship, obviously. But do, do you get a, a, a sense of, you know, hey, we can do we can do anything if we if we lock in and concentrate after beating the Lakers the way you did? You know, I, I see more of a, a focus around here. You know, I, I would call it more of a focus than I would confidence. You know, guys, guys are really locked in. You know, guys understand what, what we're trying to accomplish. You know, uh, you know, you definitely get, you know, more confident by game by game that you win. Uh, but, you know, we also got more locked in. You know, we took we took a tough loss in that Portland series in that fourth game, and I think that really turned the tide for us. Well, look ahead for us a little bit, Tyson. Uh, I'm sure you're, today you guys watch some film and, and did a little scouting. Like, what do you, How do you match up against Oklahoma City? What are you guys going to try to do to, to slow them down? Uh, you you got to get back. Uh, transition is key, you know, for them because, you know, they like to get up and push the ball up to uh, quick early shots. we got to make them play in a half-court offense. Uh, and then the second thing is not turning the ball over. You know, they rely on turnovers to generate fast break points, and that's another one of our emphasis. Tyson, who, who do you think is the one guy on that Oklahoma City team that you guys have to, to to put the clamps on? I mean, I know they got obviously Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, but is there one of those guys yeah. that you have to stop more so than the other, or do you do you have to go at them both? Uh, I think I think you go at them both, but not even just that. You go at all three of them. You know, uh, between Russell, uh, Kevin Durant, and uh, the way Harden has been playing of late, uh, you attack their perimeter. You know, you build a wall. And then uh, you force them into one tough shot uh, with all five guys, you know, crashing the, uh, the glass because that's what they do. You know, they miss a lot of shots and they're able to get tickets to from uh, Collison and, and uh, Nas and, uh, and Perkins. So in Ibaka, you know, we got we to gotta do a good job of, uh, of keeping them off the glass and, you know, we'll be able to start some fast breaks. Tyson, we always hear about guys who have a chance to play for Team USA and what that means to their career, what they learned from that experience. You had that chance. What, how, how did that affect you coming into this year? Uh, you know, that, uh, that, that really takes you to another level of, uh, of confidence and, and understanding of the game. When, you know, it's one thing, you know, I never played an all-star game, but, you know, I would guess it's one thing to play an all-star game and, uh, you know, be amongst the best. And, you know, it's more of a weekend thing, a little more laid back. But when you're pretty much playing on the all-star team, when you guys are competing every day in practice mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, going through training camp with one another, it, it just takes your game to a whole nother level. You know, you're competing against the best of the best every day. You know, you can't help but walk away from that, uh, you know, in bettering yourself. And then, then to add on it, you know, the incredible coaching staff that they put together. Mm-hmm. Tyson, who, who is the uh... – you know, you've been noted as the emotional leader of that team, and uh, certainly Dirk has been around a long time and has been a leader. But is there a different catalyst? I mean, Jason Kidd doesn't talk a lot, but is he kind of a catalyst for y'all in terms of getting you out there on the floor and getting you ready for these series? Because he, he plays so I well in Portland, you know. And I, I, I think we all uh, take turns, you know, from, from Jason to Dirk to Jet to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just it just depends, you know, uh, on whose night is. And I mean, and then, I, and then we have our bench where we have, you know, JJ, uh, we have uh, Tom Marion, Tom Marion, when you go down the line, you know, we got guys that communicate so well and have been through it. 
Uh, Tyson, I, I'm going to apologize in advance because <laughs> obviously in the airport. Doing this, and that's all you can hear in the background. But uh, hey, I, I was I, I follow you on Twitter, and you're one of my favorite people. You have a lot of interaction with your fans on there. Um, I saw you mentioned that you were thinking about trying to hit the new In-N-Out Burger in Dallas. Is that true? Oh yeah. Uh, I, you know, I went searching for it. I, I Google mapped it on my uh, phone, and uh -huh. it said it was two. And I drove like eight miles and found out that I wasn't the one. And then I wasn't <laughs> willing to go the extra uh, ten miles after that. But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to maybe on the off day getting down to in and out yeah. and experiencing the Texas in and out burger. <laughs> well, hey, look, we appreciate you coming on with us today and taking the time. And good luck going forward. Uh, and, you know, it's been fun watching you guys play, and we're going to keep watching. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me. All right. Thanks, Tyson. All right. You think Tyson Chandler. On this plane? No, no, I didn't miss the plane, boys. I'm still here. This, you know. <laughs> You know, this. Uh, I was sitting and listen. Let me go ahead and just full disclosure. I was sitting in an empty spot at the airport here when we started the show today, and of course, there are five million people sitting around me now. The, the microphone is is in the inside the lady's throat, and the speaker is directly above my head. So uh, I apologize, <laughs> Tyson Chandler, again. And when I see him uh, before game one. I will definitely walk up to him and apologize to him in person. I, you know, I don't want to say you the name of the airline because I want my bags to make it to the states. You know, there's a, I, there's a, you know, there's a mute button on there, and you can I hit. couldn't get to it. I couldn't get to it. There it goes again. I couldn't get to it fast enough. This lady's just, she's killing me. Seku, see if there are any uh, Knicks fans wearing Lakers about jerseys. <laughs> I think about. I'm thinking about going over and just cracking that microphone in half. See if see what that'll get me other than a night see, in jail. See, see if she can co-host the podcast. Exactly. See what that'll get me other than a night with home, with Homeland Security's finest. So, um, again, uh, big shouts to to Tyson Chandler for joining us. Um, sorry, the audio was so bad on that. We'll hopefully we'll get him again here uh, before we're all done. Who knows? Who knows who makes it? You know, to the to the final stages of these NBA playoffs and. Um, you know, maybe Lane. We'll, once we get to the finals, we'll do some live podcasts with with the guests sitting next to us, and we'll have to worry with all this techno stuff. Uh, but uh, should be some interesting series that go on between now and basically the next two weeks if they stretch out that long between the the Bulls and the the Heat in the Eastern Conference, and and also the the Mavericks and the Thunder in the Western Conference. Uh, Lang, are you are you homebound until these these series are over? Like, are you not back on the road until the finals? I'm not sure. I'll I'll see you at the finals somewhere though. Okay. Um maybe who knows? Maybe we'll let uh we'll let Mike out of the back cave down there and, and see if he can uh hang out with us as well. I don't I don't know. He's you know Michael, do you have do you have traveling credentials, Micah? Like do you actually own a license? I know you ride a bike to work and stuff, so I mean are you actually are you <laughs> I licensed? I actually have to, my to passport travel? on me today. I just like to keep my <laughs> options open. <laughs> We're, we well, well we'll figure all that out at a later date. We got to I got to go over here and talk to the talk to the lady with the mic and see if she can't. She owes she owes me one after that one. Um but we appreciate everybody joining us on the Hang Time podcast. Uh definitely going to get uh get a, a big shout out to Tyson Chandler of the Dallas Mavericks and Casey Johnson of the Chicago Tribune for joining us and uh certainly to the airport here for for making an 
interesting, interesting broadcast if there was one. Uh, boys, next time I'll, uh, I'll definitely uh, go somewhere a lot quieter than this and we'll get it done on the next episode of the Hangtime Podcast, all right? Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at Seku Smith NBA and Lang with The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. 